Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Since then, others have taken and they turn them into animals. You've got lions, beavers, otters, and all of that. I I tend to like to use the D-I-S-N-C. doesn't matter. What I'm really getting at is that we have various personality styles. If, in fact, that that is true, because this is all developed by men, probably women too in their study, if we look at this, we might be able to see this week and next week different personality styles. This particular style would be the people-centered one known as the sanguine. While I don't prefer to use that Greek term sanguine because the word sanguine sounds like, oh, I don't know, maybe some kind of syrupy, sweet, bubblehead, no thought, kind of a sanguine, kind of a wishy-washy type people person. I would like to tell you, though, that those of you that are here today probably do know those that they're very active, they like, they, they, they like to be around people, they like to talk most of the time, they dress flashy, they drive a flashy car sometimes. They're just very people-oriented, they like relationships. So here's what we would say. They're people-active. And you can put that in your margin. It could be that Andrew and John were like that because they were the first ones, they were part of the group. And what does John say? Behold, the Lamb of God. Andrew and John say says this, hey, who is this? What is this? And right away, people-oriented and all of this. And so Jesus comes back in his style, says, all right, if they're people-oriented, what do you want? Now, what I thought was interesting is that question, verse 38 there, is the very first question in the Gospel of John that Jesus asks. And he didn't ask, who do you seek? He said, what do you seek? So now he's going a little bit different. He says, what's going on in your heart? It could be that Andrew and John could be looking for a relationship. It could be Andrew and John, following John the Baptist, is looking for the forgiveness of sin. But what's your motives? Why are you here? Why do you want me? What do you seek? And so they said, well, first of all, we'd like to know where you're staying. Now, I don't really believe it's so much, um, hey, um, what motel are you at? No, it wasn't like that at all. It was more like, where are you staying? I think the context would say more to find out, I'd like to get to know you, Lord. I'd like to know what makes you tick. I want to know what's more behind what you're thinking about. It's late in the day, 10 o'clock maybe by certain times. And so I want to kind of be where you're at, maybe sit down and start talking to you. And notice what Jesus says to them. He comes back and he says, come and see. And so they came and they saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. Now it's about the 10th hour. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Well, let me talk for just a moment about Andrew, but to do that, I need you to go to number two, because the second point out of the three guys we're studying today is Andrew and John, and the third one is going to be Simon Peter. So you could put Peter or Simon Peter there or Simon, and I'm going to open up that name Simon Peter to you in just a moment. But I want to go to that second person, which is Andrew, because I think this is very important here in reaching others for Christ. All right. I'm so glad that John the Baptist was, while he was preaching, he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And he didn't say, Hey guys, what, wait, you're going after Jesus. Wait, I'm not finished teaching you. He let them go. And when John and Andrew headed out, Andrew says, Oh, this is true, and I want to bring my brother. Now think about it for just a moment. Who is Andrew? All right. Some things about Andrew and Peter. All right. Peter, when he's listed in the list of disciples, Peter is always mentioned first. We know that Peter had a fishing business, and Andrew could have been a part of it, but
but it was Peter's fishing business. We know that Andrew stayed in Peter's house. We know that Andrew lived under the shadow of Peter. And yet when Andrew came to Christ, the very first person he wanted to bring to Christ was his own brother. So no matter how much he might have been involved in doing things, he wanted to be so committed to his family coming to know Christ as Savior. So what Andrew overcame was the traditions of the past and said, you know what, I need to come and bring my brother to the Lord. Now here's another thing about Peter. Peter was one who's written epistles, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. We know that when Jesus had his inner circle, it was Peter, James, and John. Yet it was Andrew who brought Peter to the Lord. You'll also notice that with Peter, there's even a city named after him called St. Petersburg. I don't know of any cities named after Andrew. I I I do know that in Southern California, there's the San Andreas Fault, which is an earthquake zone. Okay. I know that there are great sermons that Peter preached. Go through the book of Acts that are phenomenal, spirit-filled sermons. There's no sermon that Andrew... I never see Andrew standing before a crowd and addressing a crowd. All I see is Andrew wanted a relationship with the Lord, went and followed the Lord, saw where he was at. When he learned about the Lord, the first thing that came to his mind was, I'm bringing myself to the Lord. The second thing that comes to his mind is, but I ain't going to come alone. So he says, I'm going to go find my brother, Peter, to go do that. Now, that tells me some things because now we have a different style of evangelism. You had John the Baptist, who was more the preacher. Look to Jesus. Andrew wasn't the preacher. He did it personally. Now, some of you that are going to be preachers someday, some of you will be given the great privilege to stand before people at a pulpit, a podium, or wherever it might be to herald the Word of God. And I pray that when you do, that your message always comes back to the cross in Jesus Christ. On the other hand, there'll be some of you that'll never be given a microphone. You might never have the opportunity to deliver a message in front of a podium or a pulpit. But wherever you are, you're going to be around people. And when you're around people like Andrew, that you would want to bring them to the Lord. Now, watch this very carefully. There's a barrier. The first barrier was tradition. Those guys had to leave John and all their, John the Baptist and all their tradition to come to the Lord. Andrew had to overcome a barrier too. His barrier, I think, was pretty easy to overcome. And I believe his barrier was pride. He overcame pride. Now, if you will track with me for a moment. I'm not convinced that Peter was one of John the Baptist's disciples. What I am pretty certain of is that Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist. So Andrew was able to watch the modeling of John the Baptist's humility. And so he picked up on that humility. He overcame that barrier of pride and said, the very first person I've got to reach is my brother. I don't care how much he's well-known. I don't care how much he's the big brother. He needs the Lord. And he went to his brother. Now, here's something else I think is interesting. I think it's in the passage subliminally, and it goes like this. I think Peter had a barrier of pride, but he overcame his pride barrier because what he did is that he allowed himself to listen to what his little brother, we might say, had to say to him about Jesus when he said he's the Messiah. Let's go back to the passage now. He said this. He first found his own brother Simon, and he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. Ooh, the anointed one. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when he looked at him, he said, Jesus now said to him, you're Simon, the son of Jonah, and you shall be called 
Cephas. I think that's quite interesting, that last part, but we're going to get to that in a moment. I like when it said he brought him to Jesus. I put in your notes for you that Andrew was such a personal soul winner, but he always saw that whatever people had a need, that the one who could meet the need would be Jesus. So he brought himself to the Lord, number one. Number two, he brought Peter to the Lord. Next, he saw a couple of a, a guy that had a couple of fish and people were hungry. And he said, I don't know what to do. We can take him to Jesus. Jesus will solve it. He took someone else who was inquiring of the problem, took them to Jesus. So each time there was an issue, Andrew was so committed to the Lord that throughout his history, he was known for bringing someone to the Lord. So I guess you have Peter over here who was known for being a fisherman. He was known for putting his foot in his mouth. He was known for someone who would um, write books. He was one a great preacher, etc. But Andrew was known for, you got a problem? Let's take it to Jesus. So let me ask you, could you be one that when you have a problem, the first thing you're going to do is give it to Jesus? Now, I don't know if you've been following Jim Cook around, but most of you I have observed that after you've got finished with a conversation, he stopped and he prayed for you. I don't mean the obligatory rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub prayer. I don't mean the good night, everybody, let's close in prayer. I mean, he shared, you shared at the end of that, whether it's long or short, he had a time of prayer. Would you raise your hand if that's happened to you since he's been here? Raise your hand, all right? Look at all the people that he kind of dropped and prayed with you. Now, here's what he really was doing. He was really saying, behold, the Lamb of God. And then secondly, I want to take you and that issue to Jesus. I can't solve it. I might be able to give you some earthly advice, but I can't solve your problem. But I know who can. I want to take you to Jesus. You and I are going to be around a lot of people with a lot of issues. The first thing we have to realize is what is their greatest issue? Salvation, because that's an eternal consequence if they don't. So we want to personally tell them to behold the Lamb of God, take them to Jesus. Others we're going to talk to, they're going to have an issue. We might not always have the best answer. We might not always have the answer. But we can always turn them to the one who has the answer, which is the Lord. Just like Andrew, always bringing someone to the Lord. Well, now that brings us to Peter, all right? So Peter, maybe a little bit of a pride barrier that he had to deal with. Personal evangelism was the way to go. But now here's what happens. It says, we found the Messiah, which is translated as a Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. And then when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. Well, I don't have a time to go through the whole biography of Simon Peter, but let me ask you a personal question. Those of you that have been reading the Gospels, Have you noticed how sometimes the Lord refers to him as Simon? Sometimes he refers to him as Peter. Sometimes he's referred to as Simon Peter. And you're wondering, why does the Lord flip-flop from Simon to Peter to Simon Peter? How many have ever thought that? Would you raise your hand if that crossed your mind? That's crossed my mind. So I did a study to find out all the different contexts when the Lord was speaking to Peter or he was speaking about Peter and tried to find through a synthesis of all that information what about Simon Peter that would cause the Lord to do this. And here's what I, I've come up with. And maybe do some of your own study like I did. I found that there are seven Simons in the Bible. So we have to understand which Simon is the Lord referring to as well as in the book of Acts. All right, so in this context, we're going to talk about Simon Peter, the one that we're talking about here today. When Simon and Peter are mentioned, let's just use Simon now. When Simon is referred to, the Lord uses it generally in two contexts. The first time he uses it is in the context of secular. When he talks about fishing and his life and his business, etc., he will refer to his secular life. The second time he uses it is a little bit more pointed now, and this is what gets really interesting. It's when he refers to Simon Peter, when Simon begins to live his life 
as an unsaved person or he lives his life in the carnality of the flesh when he lives his life doing it by himself and not for the glory of God. So when he rebukes Simon Peter, he will call him Simon. Now there are times when he refers to him as Peter. When he flips it to Peter, it's this new name that he has because he's become a Christian. And he's living as a Christian, so he refers to Peter with that new name, that new identification that he has. It's kind of like when I was growing up. I knew I was in trouble when my mother would say, Stanley! You know, nobody calls me Stanley, okay, unless they're mad at me. And my mom would say, Stanley. That means I was living in the flesh. I was living as an unsaved guy, so to speak. But now when she saw me doing good things and we were in a good relationship and things were in harmony, she'd call me Stan. And she did have another name for me when I was really good, but I'm not going to tell you what that is because that's what she'll be using in all your emails. But here's my point. Simon, fleshy side. Peter, spiritual side. Sometimes he uses both to let them know that Simon Peter is walking on both sides of this right now and to get your act together. Now, it is interesting to know that the name Simon and going to Peter, it's referred to as a rock, a stone, or a pebble. Now, we already know that the name of Jesus Christ, and as he refers to Christ, Christ himself is known as the rock. All right, we already know that, that he is the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. We know that about Jesus. Now, Peter is very close to that, referred to as a stone, a rock, or a pebble, but always in a lesser state than Christ being the chief cornerstone. That's why there's some confusion in the Roman Catholic Church when the Roman Catholic Church will teach you that the church was built on Peter. When we would say, from Scripture, the church was not built on Peter, the church was built on Jesus Christ. Christ, the chief cornerstone. Peter, the rock, but not the chief rock of all of this. Now you ask yourself, why would he refer to him as Peter, as this stone, as this rock, as this pebble? Let me go back now for a moment to the personality styles. I don't want to make a big deal over this because I believe the Word of God can transcend any personality style. I think we make too much of a deal out of it. On the other hand, to say it doesn't exist, I think, would be ignorance on our part. So let's go back to him. If you look at the life of Peter, you're going to find that he faced tremendous challenges. He was always the first one to get out of the boat, the first one to open his mouth. There was no mountain too high that he wouldn't climb. You could look at all the other disciples and put down Peter because he fled at the cross. Still remember, Peter went further than pretty much all the other guys. In fact, in, in more than all the other guys. That being still said, he would be what you might call the choleric personality. He was active. He was tasked. He wanted to get the job done. He wasn't afraid of anything. So we could call him Rocky the choleric if you wanted to do that and you can follow his life and I'm wondering if perhaps what the Lord is saying here is Simon I don't want you to be looked upon like this I want you to be seen of how you could be not Simon in that fleshy way I want you to look be looked upon as Peter that rock that person who's going to stand strong for the gospel and if you follow the life of Peter and you take him through the Gospels and then you end and then you go into the book of Acts, you're going to see when Peter got the Holy Spirit, no longer was he referred to as Simon or Simon Peter. From then on, he was always Peter because he became that which God wanted him to become. And Christ called him that. And so the barrier that he had was pride. He overcame that and he became that great rock. Well, those are our three disciples. The evangelistic method simply was preaching and personal work. The barriers was tradition. They had to overcome that, give that behind, look to Christ. And then finally, the other barrier would be pride. They gave that up. These other guys, relationship, let's find Christ. There are some of you that right now, you would like to have a relationship with Christ. 
you're lonely, you're separated, I want you to know that when you trust Christ, it's not just fire insurance. It's not just you've got a happy home in heaven. I want you to know that you have the Lord who will never leave you nor forsake you so you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And some of you are going to be put in a position where you're going to be very much alone. You'll be away from your family. You'll be away from your faith family. You'll be away from the very things that you would like. And I want you to know, those of you that are highly relational, you're going to feel that so much more. And that's why you need to know that Jesus Christ is not just dead orthodoxy. He is a living, breathing, real, personal, intimate God to you. So get to know Him. Those of you who don't know Christ as your Savior, for you, yes, you want to make sure you don't go to hell. You want to go to heaven. But for you, you want to know that you can have a relationship with the Lord, that you know that your sins can be forgiven forever, and that you have that relationship with someone who will never leave you nor forsake you. And all I can tell you is exactly what John the Baptist said. Behold the Lamb of God who takes the sin of the world, your sin away. And I pray that you'll trust Christ as your Savior by faith alone. Then there are those of you that might be here today, and you're saying, you know, I look at my life, it is all messed up. I wish I could have a do-over. I wish I could take my life and, and have some meaning put into my life. That would be very much like Peter. Now, he was a businessman. He did his stuff. But God said through Christ, he says, your name is going to be Peter now. You're going to be the rock. You're going to have a do-over. I'm going to change your name. I'm going to give you a fresh start. Yeah, you're going to be challenged. You're a challenged kind of person. You're a purpose person, so to speak. And maybe some of you are saying, I looked at my life and it's all broken. Can I have a new start? And the Lord says, yes, I'll give you a new start. You can be something you've always wanted to be, but now you're going to be what I want you to be, and you're going to have real purpose in your life. But the way you do that is to behold the Lamb of God. You need to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. The others had to come and see. Maybe you have to come and see. With Peter, it was simply, look, he's the Messiah. And Peter's the quick one. You said it, and I'll believe it right there. Maybe that's where you are today, but I want you to know it all begins and ends with the Lord Jesus Christ. So would you come to him by faith alone? And then would you follow him? Because he is altogether lovely. He is the only Lord and our great shepherd. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. Maybe today is an opportunity for you to trust Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've been following someone else as their disciple. I don't know. Maybe you need to look to the Lord right now. And today's the day that you're seeing Him as the one who's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Maybe today's the day that you'd like to trust Him as your Savior. I don't know what you've been following. Maybe it's the voice of the world. Maybe it's the voice of your own conscience. I pray that you'd now follow the voice of the Holy Spirit that is now pointing you to Jesus Christ. And maybe just like Spurgeon, you're in this room, everyone's a stranger to you, and yet God still spoke to you and said, look, look, look. Look to me, Jesus, and be saved. Maybe you've been following Christ a long time, but you've never trusted Him as your Savior. There's a time for you now to step over that line and say, I've kind of, I come, I've witnessed your word, I've witnessed your people, I've seen where you're at, but now's the day I want to claim you as my Savior. And so I'm coming by faith alone. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's those of you who are saying, I'm lonely and I need a relationship and 
knowing that the Lord would want to have a relationship with me and that he would promise to be with me forever. My sin's forgiven in a home in heaven. I want to trust him. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, is this a call for salvation in Scripture? Is it a call for service? You're going to see where Jesus called those guys in Mark chapter 1, verse 16, for service later. This is not a service call. It's a salvation call right now. In this context, later on, it'll be a service call. But right now, this is a salvation call. And maybe some of you are out there today saying, you know, I would like to have a a do-over, a new start. And for today, I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ can do that. He wants me to take on new challenges. I want to do something with my life that will count for all eternity. But my friend, the first thing you need to do is to accept the payment Christ made for you on the cross and to trust Him as your Savior. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, is there anyone in here today that would like for me to pray for them because you're ready to come to Christ by faith alone? You're looking to Him as your Savior now, as the Lord who died and rose again. You're not coming with your good works, your church membership, your promises to start or to stop something. You're just coming to Him just as I am, a sinner in need of a Savior. Could you say that right now? Jesus then says to you, Come, come, come and see. Andrew and John were never disappointed after that, and neither will you. When Peter came to the Lord, he was never disappointed. The Lord never let him down, never reneged on a promise. And when you look at Peter's life and all that he did, it was completely different. But he came to Christ by faith alone. So with no one looking around, I'd like to pray for you. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. If you're trusting Christ, if you are coming to Christ today by faith, more than just seeking Him out, having a little dialogue, but you're ready to make that commitment. I am coming. I am leaving what I thought would get me to heaven and now placing my faith in Him. So when you raise your hand, I'm going to say thank you. And then when I pray for you, I won't mention your name in my prayer, but I'll pray for you. Because I want to welcome you with everyone else that has come to Christ and are now following Him. And we want you to be a part of that same crowd. We want you to be like Andrew and John and Peter and those that have made a difference for Christ. So is there anyone here today that would say, without a word, but with an uplifted hand, silently to me, by that hand, that today's the day you're coming to Christ by faith alone and you'd like for me to pray for you? Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all? All right, Christians, we have a great opportunity in a couple of weeks. On April Friend Day, I'm going to do a a message on John 3.16. I'm going to pick that verse apart and give you the biblical basis for that. And it'll be done in such a way that your friends would easily understand the gospel And your friend could come to faith alone in Christ just using one verse in the Bible that is probably the most memorized verse in the Bible and the most quoted verse in the Bible and the most visible verse in the Bible. We're going to show them what that verse really means. So when they leave here, they'll have a good understanding of what they need to do in order to have eternal life. So I encourage you to do that. So as I close in prayer, would you take a few moments and begin to ask the Lord who you want to invite to hear that message, who you'd like to have come to faith in Christ, who you'd like to have to look 
to the Lamb of God that can take away the sin of the world. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you that this room is just loaded with people who know Christ as their Savior, who did just what Andrew and John and Peter did. They came, they followed you, and they discovered that you are the Messiah, the Lamb of God, and that you had taken away their sin by faith alone. Now, Father, we are carrying within us the understanding that our friends and neighbors and fellow workers don't know you. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be found faithful to have them come and hear the message. And if not, for us to take the message to them, just like Andrew did. So whether we bring them like John the Baptist did and point them to Christ through the preacher, or whether we bring Christ to them in a way like Andrew did, privately and personally, taking people to to Jesus Christ, we would do that. Father, I love you and I love these dear people here. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh,